To create is to resist. To resist is to create. I'm Joan Fanning, and this is the Create with Joan Fanning podcast. How's it going? How are you all doing out there? So this is episode two of my series of episodes on creativity based around my book, um, Create. And uh, the last time I was talking to you, um, I gave you an intro or an overview of who I am and why I'm doing this podcast. Uh, Basically about how, and also about um, how artists and writers don't own creativity and how I'm going to use my own experience and the experience of many of the creators I've met uh, to talk about our shared understanding of what it is to create and, and how to get there. Um, even when um, my own experience and the experience of so many creators I've known uh, is very much one of dealing with the difficulty of being a creator, um, what I call walls. Um, uh, it's, uh, one of the biggest walls being um, that we're trying to create within a world that values um, or equates value with capital um, not for this idea of art for art's sake or the opportunity to simply share with other human beings uh, what you've created so um, you know um, it's to be uh, yeah so it's that idea of um, uh, being a so called a real artist you have to be inverted commas successful which means receiving capital. Um, uh, you know, this idea of um, art as a product, as opposed to art as art and then a product. Um, it's not about the uh, joy of creating or the joy of creation, what I call um, a door as opposed to a wall into towards creativity, not a wall away from creativity. So it's something that you enjoy Um, So you're in the joy of sharing it, uh, your creation, that is, even if it's even if it's only with one person, you know. So last time I said I'd um, I'd get into uh, family, friends and villains. But in the interim, I thought about it and and felt I should get into what creativity itself is as a whole, Um, what a creator actually is and why it's important to to live um, a creative life as such. So, um, to create is to resist, and to resist is to create. So why did I start with that quote? Well, um, that's the last line from Time for Outrage, or in the original French, Inignez-vous. And it's a small but very powerful book. Um, it's more of a pamphlet, I suppose. Um, but anyway, um, it's by um, a French diplomat called Stephen Hessel. Um and um, I suppose like a lot of books, um, even small books can be just as powerful as, as large ones, um, depending on what they, what they have to say. And this one was, it was published back um, uh, about 10 years ago nearly, um, I think it was like in 2010, when Hessel was in his, his early 90s. Unfortunately, he passed away there um, a couple of years ago. That was a big loss, but... Anyway, so this idea that he, he, he had, which was, was an idea of the resistance fighters um, in World War II, uh, to create is to resist and to resist is to create. Um, 
so it's this idea of when we create, we, we're resisting the, you know, the modus uh, operandi of society, in that we're resisting what we're told we are, um, what we're supposed to be, um, and then this idea of what we ought to be, uh, to become who who we really are, you know, and by resisting, we we become creative beings. Um, which is something I feel is uh, one of the most powerful things we can become, like a creative human being. As it just, uh, yeah. So, um, so Hessel, he was a, dip- a diplomat, but he wasn't an ordinary diplomat. You know, as I said before, he was. That's uh, something from the resistance that that uh, quote. Uh, Similarly, it's one that they used a lot. Um, uh, he was a French resistant, and then he fought in World War Two as well, and he went into a POW camp, if I'm recalling correctly, and he suffered, he suffered a lot, um, and he survived a concentration camp, resisted the Nazis, and, but it's in a sense of, he, he, uh, he did all that, but he did it uh, with a creative mind, he wanted, he and the few others wanted to create a new world for future generations, for for us, you know, by resisting uh, the powers in charge, so he cre- he created a different idea of how the world w- should be, uh, one against authoritarianism, um, one of freedom. Um, so a creative world, you know. Um, and then after the war, he was involved with the um, sorry the Universal Declaration of Human Rights with um, Eleanor Roosevelt. Which occurred in, or was written and edited in the in the late forties, and so his activism refocused um, uh, the social vision that was created after World War Two uh, into one of uh, solidarity and compassion for human beings, which is something that you can beginning to see a, a, a stream lack of in certain societies. This idea of solidarity. Um, it's actually a word that you're not really, you don't really hear that often now, or compassion, unless it's the Dalai Lama talking. But um, and and so that book it was uh, this creative idea of resistance um, and being who you are and resisting power structures as such. Um, it became a huge thing for Arab Spring. It was they say it was the inspiration for Arab Spring. His his little book, and for the indignados over there in Spain, and then. Even the um, the American uh, Occupy uh, Wall Street movement, you know, um, and many other political movements. So that's why I started with that quote, because Hessel's amazing life um, is, is an inspiration for many, you know. Um, he's using inspiration for me writing my novel, Ezekiel, um, in the sense that how one person or an individual could envision a better world and have the will to create that uh, reality along with a few others, uh, even against such a huge killing machine such as the Nazis. So that's a wonderful act of imagination, of uh, creativity, to imagine a better world. So from a large overview, that's that's creativity on a on a larger scale, um, or a political one, but very much a, you know, a humanitarian one as well. Um, and of course, this gives us the opposite of what creativity is too, this idea of destruction. Um, and if you're if you're inspired by destruction, uh, then you burn books instead of writing them, like uh, Hitler did. Or you uh, you kill life instead of creating it, 
again like Hitler. So there's a great irony here too, um, because um, the Hitler fellow was a failed artist, you know? So he abandoned creativity. Uh, and that's because he was a psychopath, obviously, but uh, um, it, the, the destructive tendencies. But um, by abandoning creativity, he, he's an in, uh, he wasn't embracing um, creativity in others afterwards, even when he stopped painting or didn't become empathetic. He just started to destroy creativity, destroy books, and then in his manipulative and you know, criminal way, he you know, made an art of uh, destroying people. So he made an art of destruction as opposed to creating something for others and for himself, you know. So Hassel and those others, they, they, they kept the door, the door, yeah. Really, it's a door, yeah, to creativity. Um, towards creativity opened during World War II by imagining um, a better, more creative world, unlike the the horrible one that uh, Hitler and his friends had created, you know, or um, imagined. So he and people like him eventually, you know, they, they helped bring down walls, you know, literal ones like like the Berlin Wall, you know. That's like having a creative way of looking at the world, you know. So so it's not just literal ones like the Berlin Wall, it's like it's figurative ones too, you know. And the, the figurative ones are the ones that I'm hoping to talk about a li- um, more as I get into doors towards creativity as such. And... Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, so so, I suppose I, I should be clearer on that. Yeah, I see um, these walls and doors as paths and and uh, that walls are a path away, as I said before, uh, from creativity. And then I see doors as a, a path towards creativity. Um, and this is really important, you know, because if you're moving away or you're moving towards something, and uh, a door um, opens towards something and opens out into something, you know, or opens into something. And doors to creativity would be uh, some of the things that I mentioned in the intro, like um, notebooks and process and space-time and many others uh, I'll talk about in later episodes, you know. But um, walls, uh, they would be stuff like school or an education, and then uh, perfectionism, and uh, again capitalism there, uh, and then uh, stuff like what I call uh, lexical prisons, you know, and then trolls and many others, you know. So uh, what's really important is that we have to be aware of what a wall is, and then what um, uh, conversely what a door is, so we don't confuse one for the other, you know, and so we're aware of what we're walking into or walking through or into. Uh, are we walking into a wall or are we walking through a door of creativity or towards creativity? And they're very simple metaphors and I'm very clear, very, uh, I wanted them to be simple because, uh, you know, the simple things are often the most complex things too. So it's an important way of, uh, I think, looking at it and giving an overview of what creativity is. So um, so walls are what I'll talk about um, in the next episode, one of the walls. Um and after going through many of the different types of walls that move us away from creativity, um, I'll 
get into talking about the ones that move towards it, you know, and how they, how we can transform walls as well into doors, and then how we make doors through walls, through those walls, you know. Um, but before getting into that, obviously, I, I t today I wanted to talk about the idea of creativity as an idea, uh, because um, creativity can be a pretty amorphous thing. Uh, like like love with a, you know, with a capital L as such, um, this big thing, you know, um, or concept or idea. It can mean so many different things to different people, and all of which are neither wrong or right, uh, neither wrong or nor right. Um, it just depends on the person's perspective as such, and and to me, on a simplistic level, I see creativity as walls and doors. And in the end, uh, windows out into the world. Uh, but before I get to the walls and doors and, and these windows out into the world, I want to talk about this amorphous apex um, as such of a triangle of creativity. Uh, before I get into what I think a creator is as such, you know, just kind of some general uh, first principles or definition or work towards some kind of definition of what a creator is. Um, um, and so, so probably the first thing that one of a funny thing comes into into my head first is uh, this this Brazilian artist because he gave this TED talk years ago and it stayed with me and it's always stayed with me and he he's very as well as being funny he's he's pretty inspirational as well this guy his name is uh, Vic Muniz and uh, I can't recall really what the the title of the the TED talk was it was something to do with chocolate and sugar and string anyway you know that. Um, in uh, that was the title of it um, and I'll leave what I'll do is I'll leave a link or I'll try and do an embed of the uh, video onto my website with the with the transcript of this episode um, but what stayed with me uh, with Munez is that he talks about creativity and in a cool way uh, to about how uh, <laughs> his funny story I shouldn't get it tell you too much about it but he got shot and that was what helped him to get to the US um, that's one way of getting here, I suppose. But uh, um, he has a lovely clarity on the distinction between uh, creation and uh, creativity. And uh, so I can't really paraphrase it all here. So you can look at it in the video. But generally he draws on this, um, pardon the pun there. Um, he draws on this uh, distinction between creativity being how we cope uh, with creative with creation so so um while creation uh, sometimes seems a bit ungraspable or even uh, pointless um to him creativity is always meaningful um cuz he sees what we um see like in inverted commas see as uh, as artistically as uh, creativity and what nature or the world gives us like objects uh, as creation which kind of explains uh, inspiration something I'll get into later as a as a door towards creativity in that it's uh, something that we see sponta spontaneously differently you know uh, when others don't see it at all um, hopefully that's clear there um, I, 
what got me was that he was able to draw this distinction between creation and creativity. So again, uh, creativity being this big amorphous thing, and then creation being this thing that's non-tangible and uh, it's hard to it depends depending on who the creator is uh, is what um, creation becomes as such. Um, and you know, there's a there's a there's an English fella called uh, John uh, Berger who. He's uh, he's dead now as well, unfortunately. He was a pretty cool guy. Um, but anyway, yeah, he um, he was an art critic and a novelist too. And he used to talk a lot about the way Muniz did about or Muniz does about seeing. And he actually called, he had a book actually. It was called Ways of Seeing. It was a um, it was a TV series as well on the BBC. I think it was. Um, I don't think they had Channel Four back then. But anyway, um, and he. It, the point being that he he says that uh, uh, on the book in the book and uh, on that show uh, he uh, he says that the process of seeing itself is uh, uh, it's kind of less spontaneous and natural than we we tend to think of it or believe it to be and because uh, he he compared he compared what we call um, uh, stillness and the silence of a painting. Like just looking at a painting, uh, the stillness of that. What 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 is its essential essence as such? As completely different and divorced from, um, well, I think he called it religiosity, um, of what people teach us about art. You know, um, so we're uh, again uh, conditioned, you know, uh, to an extent um, in how we see creativity and creation. And, that, and 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 this link between um creativity and inspiration is 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 uh is is a distinction that we make for ourselves between both you know as well so again it's a pretty uh, personal perspective as well so other people could have different perspectives on what that is you know so it would um it would seem that uh uh creation is where inspiration lies and all those other um cool things about uh doors into creativity inspiration being a big one but um uh which i'll get into later um not creativity itself which is the large more um larger uh world world uh of creation itself and everything that's in it and these kind of references are things that i'm thinking of you know um like inspiration or another thing that would be kind of a door or an awareness of creation would be a uh, connection or uh, what um, a Hungarian-American psychologist, um, Mihaly, I can't remember his second name, I can never get his second name, but his book is called Flow, just like the the word flow there. And uh, um, so it's, a, it's an experience that every creator talks about in some way. And it doesn't matter if you're running, you know, if your creative way of being in the world is to run, you know, um, well, then you can ar arrive at a flow state. And that wonderful experience, which is creative people, uh, all creators feel and experience, it happens when you're in this zone, you know, this flow state where you lose yourself, you know. Uh, you lose awareness because you're in the moment 
and um, and when you're in the moment, um, you just forget about what's around you. You know, the noise, the um, uh, the the mental uh, craziness that our ego creates, and all that. So you lose awareness because you're in the moment, and you get away from this uh, this sense of time and space because your brain's chilling out, you know, and and because it gets relaxed, it gets reflective, and then because your focus on the pleasure of something you're passionate about, um, it makes you feel good and it makes you feel healthy. So, um, that guy or in that book, Flow, yeah, I think he talks a, a bit, a, a bit first about the mind, so that the connection, um. It starts as a mind thing and then it becomes more of a connection to the whole world around us as such. Um, so we're creating and the creativity would be the world around us. Um, and when your mind makes those connections, um, whether they're unrelated things, um, they come together and we imagine new ways, like Al Hassel there, you know, who, on you know, new ways of communicating and seeing the world and... And because we're doing that, we're um, full of a force of life, of healthiness and flow. And that stimulates our mind. And later, um, and then after the mind, our emotions and feelings. Again, other stuff that I'll get into later on. But, um, so, um, from a, if you think, again, if you think of creativity from a, a societal um perspective um it would be that uh, getting inspired and being creative is um not always uh, seen as a positive you know oftentimes it's frowned upon you know yeah it was kind of like when uh we were going when we moved to france from new york and uh started to set up a uh an inverted commas business <laughs> that focused on, on exactly uh, that on focuses on creativity and giving people a space and space time to get inspired and and be creative. Uh, people look at that and go, uh, "Well, this guy's off his head," you know. Um, he's mad, and they don't necessarily have to say it, you know. But yeah, you, you felt it fairly, uh, fairly quickly uh, when you when you told people where why you were going to where you were going, um, and then the idea of it being. First and foremost, always this this idea of a business perspective on it, you know. And business is all well and good, but uh, sometimes, uh, you know, it's not about the business; it's about uh, why why you're really doing it. And so you get these uh, negative kind of uh, viewpoints that um, of never making enough money to support your family, you're going to starve and all that, and uh, and uh, stuff like that, you know. Um, and so you, you can't blame people for their scepticism, you know. And, uh, you know, and it's not as if we knew what a business plan was all those years ago. It's only 20 years ago now. And it, it's just they just don't under, didn't understand, you know. Unfortunately, um, those discouraging or potentially discouraging comments came to us when it was uh, far too late for us to be discouraged. Because we wanted to create a world uh, and we were locked into that. Um, like Hessel, we were. Uh, trying to create a different vision of what we thought or think uh, um, life is, you know, and how how we create it and to create a creative world. And that was uh, to create a retreat, albeit in the middle of nowhere, uh, in the Black Mountains down in South France. 
And so we we just did it, you know, and we kept creating our retreat and life in France. And um, as opposed to the, the, the sceptical way of looking at it and thinking that, um, uh, you know, uh, support your family and all that, which is very important, um, we were doing it because we believed in it. Because we trusted we were doing what we were, what we were doing was uh, the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, and, and this is it's not just running a retreat that that happened, that, you know, uh, this kind of uh, scepticism about leading a creative life or trying to be creative with how you live your life, you know, uh, on this kind of meta level of creativity as such. Um, that kind of language, I heard it, you know, many times. Um, I've heard it many times throughout my life. And, you know, you know, growing up as a young fella in Mead, uh, that's where I come from in Ireland, uh, to this farm and county, yeah, just north of Dublin. Beautiful place, a lot of uh, um, spiritual stuff there, you know. Um, huge uh, megalithic tombs and Newgrange and all that stuff. It's a beautiful place. But... Uh, the kind of language I heard growing up there as a young fellow was, uh, you know, the idea, why bother, you know, why bother, you know, and so, uh, and that's actually exactly what an, an Irish relation said to me, he, he shall remain lameless as well because he's still alive, but uh, I don't hold that against him for it, but uh, he said that to me when I got a prize for a written, uh, winning an essay at school, you know, I was only, you know, young, but, uh, and you know, um, he wasn't being mean, you know. He was just clueless. Um, and to him, it was a useless thing to do, you know, to create an essay. Why bother doing that, you know? Who cared, you know? It's not as if he's going to read it. And uh, so my response was um, basically something like, maybe you're right, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Something like that. You know, I was 13 or 12 years old or something like that. And uh, what I really wanted to say, if I'd had the words and knowledge or some kind of a different kind of language, you know, some kind of language about creativity or an insight into creativity, it would have been something like um, that, that um, like nothing, you know, nothing has, uh, nothing, nothing has ever been achieved without creation, whether it's, you know, essays or ideas or um, like any, any kind of creative leap. Uh, be, uh, be, anything that's yeah anything no, well there's nothing has been created basically without creativity or creation and the future will always be with these creative leaps because like uh, if we're to survive and you know, in the face of all this you know um, climate change it would have been global warming back then you know or in the face of uh, stuff like population explosion and uh, nuclear weapons and this existential um, threat, you know, um, getting all the more nearer to this doomsday clock, you know. People don't talk about that, though, you know. Um, uh, our survival depend on our passion and intuition uh, to create, uh, create things that we haven't even imagined yet, you know. Um, uh, and it's the people that create those solutions. That's the imagination. That's creativity. So it's when people are writing an essay, they're opening the door towards creativity. And if you're opening the door, a door towards creativity, then you're you're imagining a different world. And it's only people who are trying to imagine a different world that are going to create solutions. Whether it's in business or politics or, you know, how to stop nuclear 
proliferation or pollution. Um, I suppose, I suppose also I would have said to him that it's, it's existential, just like an existential threat of nuclear proliferation, but uh, the creation itself and creativity is existential. Um, people, people need to actually create, you know? Uh, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you know? You have to be creative to actually... And have an imagination if you want to do things differently and uh, go at things differently. But I was 13, so I, I told him he was probably right or something like that anyway. <laughs> yeah, I knew he was wrong at the time. I, I, intuitively, I knew he was wrong. But uh, even I didn't know how to... Um, I just didn't know how to respond to him, you know. And and that's often the time, you know, that's what I call about lexical prisons, you know, it's not having a language of creativity. I'll get into that later again in a different episode, but um it would have been uh, it would have been cool to be able to give him examples, you know. Um, you know, because if you think about it, everything um from maths and space travel to writing novels to falling in love, uh cooking a bloody meal, uh to planning a vacation. All of that takes a leap. It all takes creative a creative leap. It all takes imagination. Can you imagine? Uh, you're imagining a new world with somebody different. You're imagining new uh, ways of uh, mathematical ways of looking at things, or new ways of having to travel through space, or how to write a different type of novel. You know. So it's this leap into the unknown, out of. Um, the quotidian, you know, this, this mundane existence of, uh, you know, boulot dodo, as they say in France or in Paris, um, you know, work and uh, the the day to day vicissitudes, you know. So it's um, so it's a leap into the unknown, um, and you know, all of our myths and symbols, they all come from creation. You know, the creation myth in the Bible. You know, it's like there's so much, our sciences, our philosophies. It's like the Big Bang, where that's where it all started, yeah? Or is it um, God in the seven days, you know? It's like, and in the sciences, is it uh, quarks? You know, it's, it's um, and it's just generalized way of looking at it, you know? It's what, it's what makes us different from all the other species on this planet. So creativity is extraordinary. It's, um, it's a very important thing to harness as, as, as an idea and a way of looking at the world and living the creative life, you know? And if you were to ask, um, you know, if I was to ask uh, physicians or mathematicians or um, about this, they'd say they'd say that they don't rely just on logic, you know, um, alone to arrive at some kind of new science. They'd tell you that uh, imagination is also a, the key to making these new leaps. You know, quantum physicists and string theorists after them, you know, they were. Uh, they're inspired by their imaginations to create new visions of reality and science and and you know uh, someone like Einstein he would have never came up with what he came up with uh, if he wasn't making these imaginative leaps you know and um, um, like um, his uh, special and what was the other one the special and general theories you know of relativity he, he if he wasn't trying to be creative, he would never have came up. If he wasn't thinking differently and creatively, he would never have come up with them. Uh, so he's trying to see things differently, you know? Um, so this is really important. And if we don't have creation, you know, 
if we don't have it, we're done, you know. Um, so that's why it's important. That's why I'm doing this podcast. You know, that's why I think it's it's so important, you know. And if we can't imagine new ways of doing things or imagine new ways of living, then, then we're lost, you know. So it's an extraordinarily positive thing. And it's an existential thing. And we need to do it. Um, it doesn't matter what we're doing, you know. In some way, we need to do it to create. So it's one of the most significant things or forces on this planet, you know, and presumably on the other planets, you know. I haven't visited them yet, so I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, so like I said in the first intro, um, the first episode there, we're all creative beings, you know. We're all we're all creators. And if we bring this into our lives, uh, we make this this planet here a, a, a better place. It's the only planet we have, so we've got to we got to try and uh, make it a better place, a more creative place. And I, I completely trust this, just like Hessel did, you know, and uh, Munas and all those other people I was referring to. Um, and, you, you know, if you start living a creative life like an Einstein or whoever, you know, it, it has an effect on you and on all those people around you, you know, on your the people who love you, because it brings joy, uh, the joy of creating and then the joy of living a uh, creatively he brings you a joy of being alive and of being in appreciation of what surrounds us and what inspires us so um, I don't know how long I've been going on now but uh, um, um, yeah, I, I, yeah I'm going to keep going uh, about the, I want to get into uh, talking about a creator and um, and why, why, why do a, why a person creates? You know, um, like why do I create? You know, why am I writing? You're creating this podcast. You know, why did I leave Ireland for Manhattan? And how did I end up living in a rural southern France, married to an American? Welcoming, you know, all these creators from all over the world. Because as I said before, it's I I trust uh, my drive to create and. Uh, I trust uh, the drive to create of, of everybody. And I, I say trust because trust isn't a belief, because beliefs are created by other people. Uh, mostly by people we've never met, you know. And uh, it's, like, uh, it's like Blake uh, once wrote, you know, I must create my own system or else be enslaved by another man's. I've always loved that quote. I think it was the marriage of heaven and hell. Um, but, you know, I trust creation, not dogmas uh, created by others. And that's the joy of creativity. We can create our own worlds, our own systems, like Blake said, you know. Um, and, you know, it's not not, not, what you, not not belief systems, you know, but uh, um, our, but systems that we trust. So kind of, it's kind of like what uh, Jung said. Uh, I don't believe, I, I know. Um, so that's knowledge, uh, it's trust. Um, and there's another story that just started coming into my head um, um, about these people. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, it was uh, it's in the nineties in London, you know, um, which would give another perspective on what creativity is, at least to me, anyway. Um, uh, you're wondering what the hell's in the nineties London got to do with that? And, um, but uh, well, before I founded La Muse, um, and even before I was working in magazines in New York. I uh, managed a, a pretty uh, cool bar in um, a pub in Camden Town in uh, north of London, you know. 
it's called a good mixer um and uh, it was it was when uh, the Britpop 90s was going on in London uh the bar's still there too but I haven't been back there since uh, it became under new ownership but uh I think it still looks the same though but uh anyway when I was at the bar or in that pub uh, when I was managing that pub uh, we had all these fruit and veg guys coming in uh, the sellers and the bar boys from down the street and uh, out front uh, of the bar and um, old age pensioners just going to get a glass of water uh, excuse me uh, yeah um, pensioners and uh, um, they all came or, yeah, from this mad spike down the road you know one of those that Orwellian thing he described it in down in London and Paris it was one right down the last one was right down the road but anyway so this eclectic uh, mad uh uh, mix of people like mods and all types of sellers from the market stalls up at the lock up in Camden and people from all over London as well as um, you know people who had rock record labels one guy a uh, really nice guy uh, he had a, a band called Blur which was one of the big bands back then uh, Demon Oasis but it was a, a mad place and a lot of fun you know and the place was um, so as I was saying it's this amazing mix of eclectic people all really creative you know uh, musicians and artists and producers and sound engineers and journalists and musos and groupies and everybody connected with all that kind of creativity you know and they were all from all around the world and uh, in behind the bar with me was a load of Kiwis or what you call New Zealanders and Aussies um, and we'd be sitting in we'd be there in the bar serving people and uh, you get like uh, 10 Japanese teenagers coming in and they'd all sit around, they'd buy one Coke, and they'd sit at the, in front of that one Coke for for two hours, watching all the uh, sellers and playing pool and waiting for a glimpse of somebody like the guitarist from Blur or something. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, um, it was a bizarre, and it was, uh, that kind of bizarre stuff was always a regular occurrence in there. Um, and I suppose that's what happens when you get a lot of creative people around, you know, you have these really funny... Uh, funny things happening um but um the thing i found in talking to any of the successful creative people in that pub was that they were simply doing what they loved you know that was that was my lesson you know they were playing music they were writing about it they were producing it they were they were mixing it but they 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 weren't doing it to make money you know that'd be a nice byproduct for a lot of them but but they're doing it because they loved it so some of the bands that get like lucky and get real famous and some of them are well known for a few years and others were dropped after their first album um, especially the ones that were taken on as tax write-offs you know by the, by the big labels you know and they I think they called them boiler bands back then you know um, and so you'd have uh, bands that make it big in England and then you'd have them and then they'd be unheard of in the States and then you'd have bands that nobody knew in England and then became famous in the States so so that's the way with all creative industries. It doesn't matter if it's the publishing world or um, the film industry. Nobody really knows what's going to be successful. Inverted commas successful, you know. Uh, or where and when or even... Even though they say they do, you know. They all say that they they know like what's going to hit and what's not. I mean, you've got these extraordinary musicians that don't make any money and then extraordinary uh, filmmakers that don't uh, make money from their art. And then... So... Um, again, back to, back to the lesson though of that uh, that period of my life was that uh, 
um, that those musicians and all those other creators, they, they, they just didn't care. <laughs> you know, they, they just want to make music and have fun and get drunk with other people on the same wavelength. Um, it didn't mean they weren't professionals about what they did. My God, they were like mad about getting the sound down correctly and um, getting really good lyrics and, um, you know, writing good articles and stuff like that. Um, but they, they, they were they were doing it because they loved it and they were having a lot of fun. They were inspired, you know. And uh, that was one of my first uh, experiences of coming across that in... Um, uh, growing up you know um like after college i had a bit of that in college you know i might create some creative people and stuff but not to that extent you know it's a mad bar you know in a mad time um so you know <laughs> there i was in a it took a finishing two degrees uh get me master's degree uh and then to actually find out something that was relevant to me as a creator uh was uh going by going serving booze and alcohol to all these fun people, you know, like as a worthless resume building exercise, you know, but uh, it was better than sitting in an office cubicle, um, um, better than a, better than an MFA, I suppose, but I, I didn't even know what an MFA was back then, you know, I didn't, we didn't have that kind of cottage industry that they have over in, uh, over here in the States where you go and get an MFA and that's how you get your stuff out there, you know, we didn't, we were totally clueless of that over in Ireland, at least back then in the 90s and stuff. And uh, a lot of the musicians uh, that came into that bar, they couldn't care either, you know. It was just, they were just doing what they loved, you know. So, um, so that's the lesson, you know. You can have fun doing what you love, creating what you love. And you can even make money at it sometimes. And sometimes you can actually make a lot of money at it, you know, if you're a business person about it and you get lucky, you know. Um, but the success comes with the doing. You know, that's the most important lesson of it that I got uh, in London anyway, was it's the fun of creating. Not with it. Not, it wasn't about getting a, a a load of money, you know. Um, which not to denigrate um, uh, getting money and and needing and wanting to get money as well, you know. You have to after your product's done, you got to try and get it out there. Something again that I'll talk about uh, much later on. And uh, yeah, so so that that's another way of looking at it. It's like doing what you love, you know. And um, uh, creativity from a from a broader perspective you know and I, i'll get back into that later on as well but i kind of want to do an episode on um doing what you love you know um um but another thing on the on the on the on a, the perspective of creativity um and looking at it as this kind of world to enter into or move towards you know opening a door towards it there's another story um when i was back here in maine actually Oh, it must have been about ten years ago or so. Um, I met this lady, and she, she just dropped her uh, her last kid off at college. You know, um, a while before that, it was a month or a week or so before that, and she'd always wanted to write short stories. Before she had the kids, she she was writing short stories, but then life happened, you know. And of course, I was there. I was there telling her she should take advantage of her newfound freedom. And going to go to a writer's retreat, you know, I was running a writer's retreat, so I was meeting women like her all the time, you know, um, who had um, had some kind of creative uh, impetus or, or uh, they were inspired to create something and then stop doing it because, you know, they were being caring mothers and wanted to take care of their family and um, weren't making money from doing their creativity. So, um, 
I, I said when I told her to do that, she she, she kind of just looked at me and she went, uh, uh, "I wouldn't know how." She kind of mumbled it out, you know. I was like, "What?" And then uh, she said something like, oh, "I'm not a real writer. I'm I'm really not that creative anymore." And I was like, "My God!" Uh, just had a lot of compassion for her there standing there, but I was like, at the same time, I was they're standing on this old colonial house uh, on the veranda or whatever they call them, and it or, uh, wrap around porches. That's what they call them here. And uh, she has this amazing flower garden outside the front of this beautiful house that she'd renovated. You know, she did most of the painting and stuff. Um, and not only that, uh, out the back she had this mad organic kitchen garden, you know, that she'd created. And I kind of looked at her and I just went, uh, well, if you're not creative, then uh, then, uh, then either am I. And then she, she, um, she looked at me and she... Uh, she said, um, what do you mean? Um, you write novels, she said. And, uh, you know, uh, I just said, uh, you just created three kids. Uh, you know, that's pretty creative. And, uh, you created this wonderful house, uh, with this mad wraparound porch. And, uh, look at your mad gardens out there. And, uh, which started me eating this awesome meal, you know. I just said, you know, each one of those things is highly creative. She she looked at me again and she was kind of confused, very confused this time. And then uh, there was this like little smile that came on her face and she went, you know, I'd never thought about it like that. And uh, again, this is, uh, this is mad, you know, it's like, it's the idea of creativity and how we look at it, you know. Um, and that... You know, there's so many things that we do in life that are creative, um, and that we don't even see that they are, um, and and that that uh, that brings back that uh, perspective I was saying about creation not being owned by artists and writers. You know, uh, everyone has it in them. You know, it it just depends on how we're where we're putting it to work. You know, um, and when you're when you're a child, all you ever do is it. You know, create. It's called play, and uh, that's something I'm going to talk about later on as well, in a different episode. But, you know, um, so creation is this uh, way of, creativity is this way of uh, embracing new personal worlds, you know? Uh, whether it's making music like those guys in Camden Town, or building, or designing, or mending, or painting, or... Uh, gardening or uh, engineering yeah it's like gardening like that woman in Maine you know so the list is endless and if you think you're not creative it's because you haven't found out what it is you love creating yet you know that's just it it's simply that you know and it, it doesn't matter what it what it is you know and every retreat um, like over and over again for nearly 20 years I'd come across this you know I, I, I'd meet people from all over the world that had this existential need to create you know um, they they left everything behind and went to this little village in the middle of nowhere in these mountains in the south of France uh, to create and they're still going there uh, irrespective of whether I'm there still or not because we created this space, this safe space for uh, people to create uh, 
And uh, and that's beautiful because uh, it's allowing people with that need to to make themselves feel good by creating and the, the process of it. So some of the creators that have come, you know, they've never written a word before. You know, so they're going into new creative worlds. Um, some of them never painted before. And um and when they went there they'd they'd be they'd hook up and meet up with uh, other people uh, who were famous or really well established. Uh some were old, some were young, uh some of them were just out of college. I mean, like that lady from Maine, you know, uh some of them were uh, just after dropping their kids off at college, you know. So some of them were the heads of colleges. Um and so they all had that same thing in common. This need to create. Um, the need to be a creator. And I think it's 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 a basic human need, um, and uh, and that's the thing, you know. Uh, you know, as soon as we're as soon as we're born, we're we're told who we are. You know, oh, this is what you are, and a lot of time by people who don't know who they are. You know, that's the irony of it, isn't it? And uh, and so this uh, this problem grows, you know, and it it consolidates its case, you know. Um, and it's something something like what that lady said, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not creative. No, no, that's what other people are, you know. The people the people making the movies. Oh, yeah, those people, the people acting in them. Or the people writing them. Or even uh, the people creating the billboards. They're more creative than me. Well, I got one response for that. That's a bloody lie, you know. It's just not true. It's a damn lie. And... Uh, I feel strongly about that, you know, because um, society is constantly killing creation by making us think we're we're only one thing, you know. Nobody's one thing; we're many things. The world is large, you know, and it's and 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 so is each human being. We're vast, you know. We're uh, we're not just one thing. You can be a mother and a writer. You can be a a gardener and a painter. You can be a a businessman and a pilot. And you can be a you know, a writer and a, and a flautist, you know, it's a, we're many things. And the most important is, uh, one of the most important things I feel is uh, being a creative being. You know, human beings are creative beings. And, uh, and creation's how we bring what's inside of us into being, you know. That's what makes us a creative being or a human being. You know, it can just be a human um, if you're not creating, you're kind of just being a human, really. So if it's just about, you know, getting loads of money and stuff, um, well, that's not being a human being. That's being a, a human, you know. Uh, and uh, being a human being is being a creative being, you know. So uh, this idea um, of creativity um, and that it's only for so-called professionals, you know, people that make money from what they do, uh, from how they create, and that's how you get your your how you qualify to be a part of the 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 creative class. Um, it's kind of you can almost see this this yeah this this um, uh, class uh, thing, um, which I'll get into much later um, about capitalism and stuff, or um, you know, so that those who have make money from what they create is. Is uh, they're the ones that are the creatives or creators? Sorry, um, that's wrong-headed. You know, 
And not only wrong-headed, but it's insulting. It's insulting to, to Van Gogh, you know. He painted one, only one painting that got sold. Does that mean that he's not a creator? He's not, because he's not selling art. He's not a professional. I'd say he's uh, one of the greatest professionals that ever lived, you know, when it came to his art. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, so I, I think I, uh, that's that's what I wanted to say about, or mostly what I wanted to say about uh, the overview of the creative world or creativity as a world, you know. Um, uh, but then there's also the distinction to be made here um, about um, within that world of what uh, our role, what a role of a creator is, and what the role of a creative is, and uh, how to differentiate. You know, it's important to make a distinction. Um, uh, and uh, I suppose the best way to think about that is, uh, or to talk about that, would be to give another. Another example of someone that I met on retreat, you know, <laughs> this really cool um, uh, Scottish uh, Scottish lady that I met on retreat. Um, she was coming for two retreats, actually. But anyway, um, I was I was just after telling her that she wasn't a creative. <laughs> Again, this distinction between a creative and a creator. And she wasn't very happy about it when I said it to her, you know. I think she thought that I meant that just because she wasn't making money from doing her art um that uh that I was being insulting but um uh but she didn't take it personally too much you know but cuz uh, then she asked me to explain it you know what 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 do I mean when I say she's not a creative and you know we were in the truck and we were it's, a, it's about 7 years ago I'd say now and we were going down to uh Carcassonne that's a, this um this town, you know, with this mad fortress and all that, uh, one of the biggest medieval fortresses in Europe, you know. Uh, we were going down there to get to get groceries from the retreat and uh, down the mountain. And the woman, um, uh, uh, she, you know, she she was a oh yeah, a bit of background, you know. She she was an ad executive in uh, in London, you know. And uh, she 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 come on retreat. She had this awesome line that she said. She said uh, she she'd come to draw the line. <laughs> and I said, draw the line on what? I said, on the paper. <laughs> um, and so she meant that she was going to draw without taking her pencil off the paper, you know? So um, she said, this is a really cool exercise for uh, learning how to draw and um, just allowing flow, that thing again that that flow book uh, talked about, uh, to get connected to um, her hand, to her uh, creativity, you know? And um, and she's an awesome artist, by the way, you know, so uh, she mightn't have been selling her art or putting it out there, but her art was amazing. But uh, by day she writes copy, uh, so she's a writer, a professional writer, but that's not what she sees herself as professional, as um, as a creator. Um, she creates ad copy, but it's not, um, it's not who she is, you know, uh, simply who she is. Again, we're all vast. And... Uh, so you can be many things and uh, create in many different ways, you know. So, uh, she, she so she'd been, she had, the reason I'd said her or she's not a creative, uh, uh, is because she'd be calling me a creative, and she was calling herself a creative, and she's calling everybody on the retreat. She'd say, "Yeah, yeah, well, you're creatives like us and stuff like that," you know. So she was using it in this kind of thing as like we're all uh, creatives, 
And at the beginning, I didn't want to correct her because I didn't want to come off as some kind of, you know, a-hole, you know, uh, or some kind of mansplainer, as as I just met her. But uh, but uh, as we were starting to get a few laughs, I, I got into it, and that's why I came up with it, you know, or said to her that she's not creative. And uh, by way of explanation, I said to her it was uh, that she's um, a creator or a co-creator. She's not a creative uh, when she's doing her art and stuff. Um, uh, she's only a creative when she's well she's not only a creative there but uh, she's a creative when she's at work and she said uh, basically that's well, that's the same thing and I said to her no it's not and when she asked me to explain it um, she's well into the definitions um, I basically said that you know creatives can be people who, who live life creating walls you know again that walls thing uh, to creating or they could be uh, people who are uh creatives for other people like her when she goes into work in her job you know um so but um and that we need uh co-creators so when when she finishes her drawing i then become a co-creator by appreciating what it is that she's drawn and then get a feeling and and a um i become transfixed by it or i really appreciate it and it makes me feel good by looking at it so that, so internally a uh, co-creator uh, is an on a level of appreciation with that lady uh, drawing the line, you know? And you're a co-creator when you appreciate and respond to someone else's creativity. So um, she, she she was into that. Um, <laughs> uh, but then she wanted to know what, what, a, what a creator was. And uh, I just simply said, it's, it's just people who, uh, who make things, you know? You know, they create, um, they crochet, they paint, uh, they sing. They repair cars, they write uh, novels or imaginative business plans or they draw the line like her, you know. So um, she kind of, uh, then she said, uh, she said that um, something like, uh, oh, so you're saying society's uh, co-opted crea creative by making us think it's the same as creator and co-creator. And I said, yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> and uh, because creative has been capitalized on, you know, there's that word capital again and capitalized on. It's been capitalized on by the corporate world. And uh, again, as I said before, I'll get into that when I talk about capitalism more. Um, not to digress into that, but uh, what, I was, what I said to her was something like, uh, uh, she's a creative um, and you're a creative or and the graphic designers that she works with are creatives. Um, but you don't necessarily get positive co-creation from, or creation for that matter, from from doing that work. And so some people do though, and they're, they're creators when they're at that work doing the same job as her. So they could be creators doing what she was doing that she wasn't into doing, because they're into it, because they love it. Um, but she loved drawing. Uh, she didn't mind her job, you know, she's really good at it, but um, but it's a distinction, um, a personal distinction, uh, depending on our perspective and, and what it is that we're into. But, um, you know, companies want an audience and they want to turn us into consumers and have this passive relationship with creativity. And why? So we buy their products. Uh, and why do they want us to buy their products or why do they not want us to be creators? 
because then we're making the products because a creator is somebody that makes something. So um, a creative is a really kind of sneaky word, you know. It's a, it's a sneaky way of blurring the distinction between a creator and a co-creator. And that's why I think it's important to make those distinctions between the two of them. And, uh, yeah, it was a funny conversation, but uh, she smiled at the end and we had a good laugh. Um, uh, she called it a well-tidy idea, you know. I think in Scotland that's what, uh, you mean, when you say it's uh, something good, uh, they say it's well tidy, you know, or so. Uh, so she said anyway. <laughs> um, so, so this word creative, um, just like the word creativity, um, it's kind of been stolen. Um, it's kind of been robbed, like either by uh, academic programs or theories or science, especially commerce, you know. And I'm sure if I met that uh, that Scottish artist now today, she'd talk about the advertising of creativity like creativity inverted commas literally the word on the sidelines of you know major football matches you know I um, I think it was even uh, during the World Cup they had creativity and then it was a bank a bank oh okay so they're creative well I suppose you could say they are but uh, if you want to be creative you got to go to this bank <laughs> okay and so um yeah, so it's a different way of looking at um, at these words, you know, and it's important to, to have these distinctions so that we're clear on aware of where we're going and what, what are walls and what are doors to our creativity, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I had an old drama lecturer, he, he used to say, um, he would he would see it uh, the same way too, you know, that if you're, if you're a co, if you're a, a co-creator, then you're, you're in the audience, you know. A creator would be somebody that's on the stage, you know. Um, he, um, like that word drama actually means to do, to act, you know. So a creator does or acts, you know. And um, like the actors on the stage, they're acting, they're doing. And they're doing something that they love, obviously, or presumably they, they love acting. And that's how they get uh, creative. But audiences, uh, they watch and they absorb. Uh, but that doesn't mean they're not being creative in some way. They are co-creators. Um, so it's a different level of creation, I feel. Um, you can, you create empathy with the characters on the stage, but, but you're, not, uh, you're not creating the character. You are, in a sense, in your own imagination, um, but it's co-creation. Um, not the same way as an actor is creating it on the stage or the playwright when they had to go into the zone or into that flow state to, to, to create and get inspired to write the play. So you're a, you're a, you're a co-creator when you enjoy and, and appreciate the play on the stage. And it can inspire you then to become uh, a creator, uh, to write your own play or to act in one. And... Um, so you're a, um, in the audience, uh, you're a co-creator most of the time when you're experiencing that play. Hey, you could be a playwright sitting in the audience, but uh, right then you're not play, creating a play. Well, maybe you're taking notes or stealing some of the dialogue, but, uh, you know, so it's, um, it's a fluid uh, way of looking at it. But, uh, um, yeah, it's just have those distinctions. And then you can see somebody in the audience who's who's writing a really nasty, nasty uh 
uh, that's uh, creative destruction again a nasty article about the thing criticising the play um, but almost for the sake of criticising it and you know you come up, come, come, come across people like that i uh, give a few examples of that in other episodes but uh, um, you know they, they, they just they get their kicks from um, being kind of mean spirited you know towards somebody who's putting out something but um, or trying to create you know I call that a creative negator, um, or a co uh, creative, uh, yeah, just a creative negator. You know, they're not co-creating; they're 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 distancing themselves from uh, what somebody is essentially trying to give to the world, um, and being uh, averse and negative, they're creating walls. Um, so a co-creator can have wonderful ideas, but uh, doesn't bring them into the world. You know for the rest of us to see or experience. They could be sitting there watching a play and going, oh, I want to create a play, but then they don't um, actually move forward through it because there's a lot of work as well. Um, they, they don't move through for the rest of us to experience like like your creator does. And like, so the, so the creator acts on their ideas. Um, and, you know, uh, as I keep on saying, you know, it, it's not about creating a play, you know. That's just the idea of uh, to kind of... Uh, get the idea of the distinctions but you know you could be creating software um you could be creating a book or paintings but you can also be creating a company um they're co-creators who have become creators become actors in the field you know they got up onto the stage of the world or view or field that they're in and they created so they climbed out of the audience and uh, started telling the audience about their play about their business plan, about their design, about their project, you know. So, you know, and so, so wouldn't it be great to be an actor too, you know, to become in some kind of Shakespearean way, to become the part, you know, to live it, to write it, so others can enjoy what you create. Wouldn't it be great to be a creator, you know? Um, because we are not to be great to be a creator. Um, again. You are a creator. Everyone's a creator. But it's... Uh, we have to have the courage to then move forward into it. And move towards it. And open that door. Um, and there's many ways to doing that, you know. First you have to have an insight, you know, or inspiration. And if you have an insight, you see inside yourself. You look inside yourself as to what it is that you love... And you look inside and you bring those things into the world that nobody and nobody's ever seen or heard them before because it's yours to share and your perspective is different. Everybody's different. So, but again, the question comes up uh, like that uh, relative of mine back in Ireland I was talking about earlier. Why bother? Yeah, why bother? Well, as I said before, like Hessel said, you know, creativity is very powerful. And it's an act um, that's... Creation is an act. Uh, and it's a sacred act and a personal act, you know. Even if you look at that word, you know. Um, uh, the idea of sacredness and uh, religious experiences as such. Um, the true sense of that word is um, to connect. Like flow state again. To connect is ori, re, uh, of of that word means again or to connect and then Lego um, yeah not the bricks <laughs> um, but Lego from the Latin um, it means to choose or 
or bond or revere, you know. So ultimately it means to choose again and again a, a reverential kind of personal bond, you know, and to connect with, with oneself, you know. So that's religious. And so that's creation. Um, it can be a religious experience. If you, in a, in a, in a, in the, um, in the true sense of what the word or the definition of the word is, if we look into the word. So creation is religious because we choose to go over something again and again. We become devoted, uh, or devoted, sorry, um, devoted to, uh, to creating. And, uh, so we reinvent, which is creation. So we recreate ourselves by creating out of ourselves, i.e. going into the inside again, uh, over and over again, um, because it's never still, you know, it's always changing. And I'll get into all these kind of aspects, you know, change and um, sacredness and, uh, you know, all these are doors to creativity or towards creativity. Um so I'm doing this podcast because no matter uh, what you want to create, you know, um, those doors are possible to open into, you know, and no matter what you're into, you know, whether it's creating a retreat or a uh, publishing house or a business or this, uh, like a podcast or, you know, and uh, yeah, no matter what you're into, there's so, there so many things we, we all have in common, you know, the walls. Uh, that we put up against and then the doors to walk through those walls and then those wor windows out into the world that creativity gives us and of course the most important thing to perceive to persevere you know uh, in order to create because it's it's perspiration not inspiration and that's not me that's uh, that's Edison you know or even Einstein I think had a had a slant on that as well I think they both quoted it in some kind of way you know uh, perspiration, not inspiration. It's hard work, you know, to become the actor, to to step into the field of creativity in whatever it is that you love. It takes work, and you have to just do it and continue and keep on religiously, again and again, doing it. And and uh, why? Because it makes you feel good. And if it makes you feel good, it makes others feel good. Because it's a domino effect. Um, and that's why I'm doing this this podcast. You know, it's to help help you guys uh, create, uh, if I can, in some small way, um, and so that you don't feel alone like I used to. You know, I used to think I was mad. You know, when I was a young fella, like when I was writing that essay, and then you know you'd have that relation telling you like, uh, yeah, well you're mad. Uh, that's not, uh, you know, <laughs> get a real job or well, I was a young fella, but you know, it's not, it's not. Uh, socially acceptable as such, you know, unless you become an academic or something like that to write an essay, as opposed to just wanting to write something because you're into writing something about an experience you have. So, um, so that, that not to feel alone, you know, because you're not alone. Um, there's so many creators out there and so many people creating in so many different ways that are not professional creators. And, um, and uh, I, so trying to help I want to try and help by um, uh, help you uh, create by not making the same mistakes I did, you know, and so many other creators make, you know, and we all make them because that's how you learn something by making mistakes. Uh, so we can create something to um, reflect these needs, these creative needs, you know, and then the unconscious needs 
um, uh, from inside, you know, and then the needs which are unconscious of all of us, if you look at it like the uh, uni universal consciousness as such, or that young, kind of Jungian thing. And because uh, um, when we create the whole, the whole world uh, thrives and, and benefits, you know, becomes a better, um, just becomes a more beautiful place, you know. If people are happy and healthy creating, then uh, uh, then that has a domino effect of positivity, not a destructive one. Uh, like um, going into this lack of solidarity and this kind of destructive kind of a world that a Hitler kind of imagines, you know. And isn't that what, what, what most of us want? Don't we want a better world, you know? One where, uh, don't we want to create a better world? Um, so, and that's creativity, you know, if we create a better world for ourselves, we, we're creating a better world, um, it's like the Gandhi thing, you know, be the change you want to see in the world, you know, and so you can create that, um, and you can create that, and, and that's another thing, you know, um, kind of a, an epiphany, you know, um, well, not so much, well, kind of an epiphany, you don't need to ask permission to anybody uh, to create. Uh, you just don't need to ask permission. You, you don't need a diploma in building to build a house. You know, plenty of people build their own houses. In France, they, they, there's count the amount of people building their own houses. The whole thing. Uh, from the electricity, to the masonry, to the plumbing. And then to designing the furniture inside it. You know, and there's many people doing it, but we are told that, oh, you're not a professional, so you can't create it. You know, I don't know, uh, like, like the last house that we lived in, I renovated most of it, you know. Um, learned electricity, learned all this passive house stuff and uh, put hemp in walls and built walls and, you know, and you learn it as you go along. That's creativity. You know, so don't let anybody think or tell you that you don't have permission to to build or to create or to do whatever it is that you want to do. You just do it and you learn by your mistakes, you know. Hey, the wall might fall down at the first time, but, you know, uh, and you learn from your mistakes. You know how to build it right the next time. So we don't have to ask for permission, you know. We just do it. You know, we just uh, build, dance, uh, sing, write. And we do it right now, you know. Uh, you don't have to build a whole wall. Just put a few stones, get the f stones wait, uh, ready, and then mix the cement another day, and then start to experiment, you know? Um, don't want to get too much into the wall idea, but uh, <laughs> especially when I'm saying uh, the metaphor of walls as things that are stopping us from creating. But, um, yeah, so the, you don't think about what you want the work to be, you know? You just, as as a builder or a mason, will grab a stone to put on that wall. Here I go again. But anyway, uh, some of the great masons that I, I worked with back in France, you know, they would they would grab a stone, whatever stone it is that they received, and they would put that into the wall as they were building. They didn't go looking for a specific stone. They put the stone that was given to them because they had to be creative in how they placed that stone in the wall. So, you know... Um, so write and paint play and design you know change it you know refine it and someday it'll be ready to be uh, put up on a stage or be part of a house a wall 
or into an into an uh, into an album or something. So you, you you have to discover your own need, your own love, your own way um, away from this this psychology of the many. You know, away from and the many of being uh, the society. You know, away from uh, you know Nietzsche had a great um, great way to explain that uh, he called it the the herd instinct of the individual or in the individual I think and uh, you know um, you know that Edward Bernays guy would be a guy another example of how uh, society tries to manipulate us into into um, at least the last hundred years anyway with advertising and how they manipulate us and um, Chomsky talked about that at one stage Uh, he was quoting somebody else I can't remember the guy's name but it was uh, how to fabricate the consumer, you know? So manipulating us into thinking that we want stuff that we don't need and to keep us doing that, to keep us busy so that we're not creating stuff ourselves, you know? So um, Bernays would have us believe that we can buy happiness, you know? But you can't buy happiness. Uh, um, you know, it's a, it's a byproduct of creation, you know? And creation isn't a product, it's a process. Um, so this idea that you'll be happy if you buy this car is very different from you'll be happy if you create the car you know uh, Ford Motors don't want you creating your own car because you're not going to be giving them money for a car then if you build your own house uh, you're not going to be paying somebody else to be building it but um, so it's a very powerful thing creativity um but uh, then this all the stuff comes in. Oh, but I'm not a mechanic because I can't build cars and all that. Well, if I'd stop writing, um, because I wasn't published for uh, many years, um, I wouldn't have any books finished, you know. But more importantly, I wouldn't be who I am today. It's because uh, by being a creator, by uh, writing and by creating, I I found out a lot of things about myself. And if I'm not creating, then I'm missing this huge opportunity to grow. And you can learn so much about yourself by just, you know, uh, going into the frustration of creativity and finding solutions. And then you learn stuff about yourself, you know. And it's very rewarding. And, uh, and it's important to go open those or, um, open those doors you know go on that path um, where um, you know uh, away from those walls uh, on that path towards creativity so uh, so thanks for listening um, hopefully um, I got a bit more into into stuff and this this uh, on this episode than the last one, um, the overview. Um, so I started. I started with um with a quote from that uh that wonderful man, uh, that Frenchman Hessel there, Stefan Hessel. Uh, but as I said the last time, I'm going to end each episode with an Irish proverb. Um, and this one, uh, it literally means, um, whoever doesn't plant in the spring, doesn't reap in the fall. Which is kind of relevant, you know, to what I've been talking about. Whoever doesn't plant in the spring doesn't reap in the fall. So in Irish it's... Ante nach goran san arach, ni vanan se san var. Ante nach goran san arach, ni vanan se san var. 
So, so this podcast, as I was saying the last time, is supported by you, uh, the listener, uh, via my Patreon page. Uh, if you want to support it um, and help me get a uh, get some money for doing it, um, because that's how I see this podcast as a as a job, you know. Um, uh, one I love doing um, then head over to patreon.com forward slash John Fanning uh, that's uh, John with a H and Fanning with two N's like the thing over your head Fanning where where you can uh, you know you can get early um, this, th- this one's not going out this Wednesday but um, uh, early on Patreon uh, but next time I will uh, and get ad free access if you've got ads on wherever you are listening to this as well as extra episodes when I when when you sign up, you know, I'll be putting up um, readings of some of my novels and uh, some interviews and stuff like that. So if you can afford it, then give me the cost of a price of a cup of chamomile tea or something like that, or a pint of Guinness. You know, they're two drinks that I I do like. Uh, so if you can't afford them, it's grand too. You can just listen for free, but but please leave a review on iTunes, a nice five star review, you know. Uh, and if you don't like it, uh, well, don't leave it for you at all. You know, just ignore it. Uh, wherever you're trying to listen to it, you know, there's other places other than iTunes as well to leave those, click those stars and write write a few words. You know, just a few. It doesn't matter how many. Yeah, uh, so it so it lets your friends know about it and other people know about it. You know, because people look at stars and all that. Uh, so thanks, uh, thanks for listening. And. Uh, if you're looking for more of the episodes, or, well, there's only one other one so far, but uh, uh, you'll find them in all the usual places like iTunes or on my website at, again, johnfanning.me, uh, johnfanning.me, under, uh, there's a tab there that says podcast, and I'll put up an overview of the transcripts with the links to all the people and ideas that I mention in every episode. Um, and if you're into the social stuff and you're looking to engage with me, um, uh, through that stuff uh, you can check me out on Twitter at uh, Fanning F-A-N-N-I-N-G underscore J and on Instagram at John Fanning underscore uh, and so it's been great sharing stuff with you today so until next time uh, take care out there and uh, be benevolent you know when you can Shlan live August Gnarion Boher live